0: Hello and welcome to Sports Communities Doing Sport Differently podcast series. My name is Steve Palace and I'm the founder and CEO of Sports Community and it's my great pleasure to host this podcast series where in each episode I have just the wonderful pleasure of interviewing volunteers from different community sports clubs from around the country and around the state who are doing sports differently. I'm just so pumped to introduce today's interview with Shasta O'Loughlin from the 13th Beach Board Riders Club. Throughout this series, we explore how community sports clubs are evolving their participation options to offer not just competitive opportunities, but more and more clubs are introducing introductory and social options. Shasta has been the driving force behind the recruitment of a whole new group of, of female surfers into their club. In this instance, women who want to surf, but for many reasons, which we'll learn about in the interview, currently don't. Normally, we try to keep our interviews to 30 minutes, but Shasta just shared so many learnings that were applicable to all clubs, the discussion extended well beyond 45 minutes. In reality, we could have gone much longer. Such was the value of her knowledge and her experience." When the interview was initially recorded via a Facebook live stream, it blew up our Facebook engagement figures with so many people watching and commenting on the interview. These interviews and the Doing Sport Differently podcast series is only possible through our wonderful partnership with Vic Health. So before we get into the interview with Shasta, I just really wanted to thank Vic Health for so much for allowing us to tell the stories of inspiring people and wonderful clubs and the amazing successes they have they've achieved. So I'll stop talking now so you can listen to my interview with the wonderful Shasta O'Loughlin from the 13th Beach Board Riders Club. Shasta, welcome to the, the live stream. Thank you.
1: Thanks for
0: having me. Thanks for fitting us in between uh, your morning surf. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a different <laughs> lifestyle, the surf, surfing lifestyle, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's always the best thing to do in the morning, watch the sunrise, be in the water. Um, Yeah, great, a great way to start the day.
0: (laughs) Fantastic. So serving, as we were talking earlier, serving is a big part of your life. Not only is it your hobby, your family's recreation, but it's also part of your your professional life. So take us back. How did you get involved firstly in surfing? Um, I
1: actually started surfing in my 20s. But um, it was more of just a kind of fun thing to do and I was going out with a guy that surfed, So I, oh, I'll join in, you know, yeah. to, instead of sitting on the beach. Um, and then it sort of backed off for me. I, I ended up heading up into the mountains and doing a fair bit of snow work through uh, New South Wales and then overseas in Canada and America. Um, and then after I did that stint of the snow work, I came back and, Rip Curl was always a company that I admired and grew up knowing um, and moved to Ocean Grove and basically just wanted to work for Rip Curl, so I sort of just hounded them for a job and started started in their um, customer service um, centre and, yeah, that was 15 years ago and I've been there ever since, so, yeah.
0: Fantastic. And so as part of the 13th Beach Board Riders, you've created the the Women's branch or division which the, the t-shirt's the logo for that branch so do you want to just tell us the background and a hey, what about the background of the t-shirt but what 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 inspired you to, to to really be the driving force behind that of that opportunity
1: yeah um well i guess being surrounded at work by surf and women in surf and watching you know these women especially someone like jesse miley dyer who's driving a whole new women's side of the WSL, um, it probably just gave me the confidence to actually go, um, you know, there's a missing link in recreational surfing for that person that isn't your advanced surfer that wants to compete in competitive um, side of things, but there's so many women in the water um, that are riding all different sorts of surfboards. And... You know, if you think of a tennis club or a netball club, if you want to play socially, you go and join the night matches or something. So there's an avenue to, to actually be able to join a club and do it at a sort of lower level than that advanced um, competitive level. And I actually had some my kids. So my oldest is ten, and she was we joined her up in the board riders about three years ago. Um, and so we were going to the Grom competition. So within 13th Beach Board Riders, there's a, a few different um, events. So there's the Seniors event, which covers all of your sort of over 16 um, competitors, you know, sh- showcasing the, the A divisions. And, and there is a women's division in that um, event. Uh, but the participation of that women's division was quite small. So generally they'd have maximum maybe six, six members that would surf. Um, and that was the, the sort of women representation of the, of the club. So when I was at these bronze comps and I'm standing on the beach and I'm in the water pushing my daughter into, into waves, you know, just talking to a couple of the other parents, I'm like, when, when do we get to surf? We should go for a surf afterwards or we'll get the dads to look after the kids and we'll jump in and move, go up the beach a bit and have a surf. And then I was talking to a couple of the guys who I work with who have also been club members for a long time, And they sort of had said, you know, Thirteenth Beach has got this really um, great business plan about, you know, community and environment and also a real women's side. And so I was like, oh, what what are you thinking with the women's side? And they were like, well, actually, back in 97, there was this female arm of the club that was called Chick Surf 13th. And two girls that are still local local girls, Mel Renton and M. Casey, so they created this um, chick surf 13th sort of arm and had young girls come in and were just trying to foster that, you know, that real women, female side of the club. And uh, they did really well back then, but obviously with time and, and things that sort of faded away and then, you know, me, a new person into the club sort of looking at, at the opportunity just went, well, we should have a, a mum's division. So we started off last season having a, a division called the freestyle division and that was for anyone that wanted to surf and a lot of us were just the mums of the groms that were surfing um so we had our own heat and just started that way and so we we went from you know having I think we had six six open women to then having probably another eight women just join to be part of this sort of freestyle division so that's how it all kind of began um, And we were surfing with the kids and it was a bit of fun and and stuff and then we kind of went ah you know there's so much more in this space so we really um put our heads together and um there was a big health grant going for female participation and so i just kind of had a thought think and spoke to one of the guys that runs a surf school in, in ocean grove as well who's a club member and just said you know how how could we angle this grant to to be successful and so we just put it together and I basically just wanted to find a way to actually engage those people that were so into surfing but too intimidated to surf in the open womens which was really that only division that was on offer which is you know they surf beacon and um you know Bancora, which is you know, sort of more, a more advanced wave, and so just that intimidation in itself is enough to just not sign up. Um, yeah, so yeah,
0: well, I mean, I'll, I'll touch on the and that's the whole point of these, um, these live streams and podcasts is that the Vic Health is really keen, um, while well, they, they have those active club grants. To for clubs to come up with new participation ways of engaging people that are not currently participating traditionally, and so we just get to tell the stories of the clubs that win those grants, and and it's just it's just phenomenal. So there was a couple of words that you used um, that came out every every single discussion that we have: confidence, intimidation, and. All the time, it seems to start with just one or two people um, really deciding that there was an opportunity. So, even though we're talking surfing, it's it, there's some very consistent themes. So, go back to those initial group. I mean, so how many have you got now? Right in that. In um, that so we've got
1: fifty-six women members.
0: Fifty-six.
1: Yeah. You've you've gone
0: from. <laughs> Where there was maybe six surfing in quite advanced to, to 56 and and i'm assuming those fifty six range from absolute complete novices probably never surfed before all the way through working their way through to potentially going into those advanced competitions
1: is that is that correct yeah we're sort of we've kind of angled it um, to the people that have their own board and yep. have you know they actually have or they go on, the, you know, they go surfing a little bit because I think to take on that full beginner, yep. that's a whole other sort of avenue. And there is a lot of surf schools around, um, you know, we're really lucky in Ocean Grove we've got a, a women's only surf school run by Heather Peck, who's like a local legend. Yeah. Um, so we're really lucky to have that there. But what happens is you go and do a sort of a six-week course on learning how to surf and then you come out of it and you kind of go, okay, what are Okay, now I've got to go and just surf myself. I, I don't really know how to 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 read the conditions. I don't really know what spots I can surf at. Um, I don't really know any other surfers because this could be like a new um, a new hobby or or something. So then you you just face these barriers of going. Okay, I I know that I might be able to go to Main Beach in Ocean Grove every every time, but Main Beach can still be an intimidating beach and have some crazy rips and things like that. So the whole angle of this is going, okay, if you've got a surfboard and you've had a couple of lessons and you know how to to surf and you want to be part of a club, then you can join us and we will assist you in getting better. So we've actually got a development session. So you don't have to compete because generally board riders are all about the competitive circuit. So, they are all aimed at that competitive surfer that wants to, you know, win, win the, win the local and comps, win the state comps. You know, there's these kids that want to be the next um, Callie Slater. Like that's what board rider clubs are about. They're not about fostering um, people that are learning just how to catch a green wave over whitewash. Like that's just a different, a different level of. Um, of a club, so we've really had to change the way that our club sort of things to go, no, we are willing to foster those people and I've and we have set up now the sort of event that we have a coach and we have a development session because we could because we, got a, we were successful with the grant from Vic Health so we can pay a, a trained coach to come and help those girls um, and women to basically get the confidence to then join into our competitive events, which is basically just a fun event where, yes, you do get scored and, um, you know, we do have winners and losers, but it's still a fun social event. And and in that event as well, we're training people. So with the grant money, we did a judging course. So now we've got some female judges, which, again, just reduce that sort of intimidation side of things where if there's women's women judging you, women running the beach, being the beach marshal, um, being the person you come up to sign up and talk to about your confidence levels and things like that—it just breaks down those barriers a little bit more.
0: Um. And, I, and I'm, I'm living the experience that you're, you're talking about because two, oh, all three of my daughters have started surfing, and my two youngest, the eight and seven-year-old, soon to be nine and seven-year-old, um, they've just finished their six-week course and my wife and i are going well what do we do next where do we take them where is safe what sort of boards do you even buy um, and and so we we we're, we're looking we're 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 living that and it's the 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 way you describe the the board riders club is no different to a traditional footy club that or cricket club that's just got the competitive option yeah. and one of the things that's coming through particularly when we talk to the researchers in the Doing Sport Differently, is that one of the reasons that there's so many people not participating in the clubs is because traditionally it's just the competitive option. It's just, hey, this is for those competitive beasts. And we've, we're now starting to understand that there's actually so many more people that don't fit that category but want to participate, and that's what what you're experiencing.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um,
0: building the confidence, I mean... I live on the ocean, albeit inside the bay, so it's nowhere near as scary. But the ocean is intimidating for most mere mortals. So yes. ha- apart from in the water, what else are you doing to... You, you've used the word confidence many times in this interview already to build the people's confidence about picking the safe spot, understanding the water, being confident to actually go in and participate.
1: Um. So... Last night we were meant to hold a talking surf um, information session for for members at free of charge, and then we off, we also opened it up to non-members as well um, for a small fee. Um, but what we were going to do last night was run a session on Thirteenth Beach. So Thirteenth Beach is a really long stretch of beach. It has lots of different surf spots in it, and it is quite a it can be intimidating, it can be really gentle, it can be, um, you know, we've had some recent deaths there, which is terrible. Yes. Um, and so, you know, we we thought, so with, and again, this has helped through the grant money that we've we've got, is to go, you know, we're going to dedicate these sessions to just making sure the community, the women in the community, and making them women only as well, which um you know, just to break down again that sort of intimidation or confidence factor um, to go, we'll give you some information on the best spots to surf for your level. Um, We'll talk about different boards for different spots or sizes. Um, You know, so there is that level of communication on the side, plus we also like start, so I manage a um, messenger group, so locally so this morning i get to the beach i take a photo i say what the surf looks like whether it's um good for a short board or a, or a mid-length or a long board just sort of give that confidence and then you know within five minutes i had yep there's sort of six girls yep i'm on my way i'm on my way and i'm like right i'm out the front of the ramp and then you're in the water and all of a sudden there's six people paddled up hey shasta like You know, so you've got that, you know someone, you can see someone in the water. So you've got that outside of those competitive um, events. We've set up that community to go, you know, and and the best thing about that is sometimes, you know, it might be the forecast for the next morning is going to be a really clean, small, winds are good. So you can say, you know, those people that are a bit nervous about coming to 13th, I'll be there at 7 o'clock. If you want to join me, I'll take you with me. So, yeah, that's that fostering and I guess just creating that community. Um, sorry, is the sun gone? <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> no,
0: all. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, yeah, so I think that's probably that's probably the um, that that is probably where we've had the most social stuff. And before Christmas, we met for a social surf and had coffee afterwards and. Um, you know, there's a new surf movie out, and we were talking about all going to movies together. So I guess, but it's all facilitated just through a messenger group on Facebook, really. Um, and yeah, that's sort of how we're communicating with each other. Plus, yep. people non-members, just community um, yep. women, that yeah, as well. So. And
0: again, if we compare the way that that you're operating, and and. And surf demands this as well because at, at five o'clock on a Tuesday, the surf's not always great. And, and to, so, traditional sports across the board in their competitive formats say we train Tuesday, we train Thursday, and we play Saturday, Arvo, and that's what we do. Yeah. Um, there is part of the appeal of, of what it is, well, more broadly, the surfing culture, is that hey, the the conditions say it's it's right. So communicate out and that flexibility that support, that, hey, this is where I am, just come and, and join socially just for a surf is a really yeah. big part of the culture, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it certainly is. And I think, um, you know, when I first started surfing down here, I would be, a lot of the times I would be the only girl in the water. And, you know, I had it the other day. I was the only girl in the water with about three guys and had, you know, got some great waves and was really happy and then all of a sudden there was about 10 guys that just came out and then it turned into this, you know, lots of paddling around each other and just that hustle and just became a bit more of a full-on surf and so then all of a sudden you go from having really fun and, you know, feeling good and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, and I just, I still don't have the confidence to just go and stick myself in the middle of that group and paddle through because I'm still gaining Um, the confidence in my own surfing which you know and I've been surfing for a long time but again we all need that support and and you don't it's not like you really go out and just get a surf lesson once you're a surfer so it's uh, that's another thing that there's limited um, options like there's not many trainers that just train people that are at that intermediate level that just want to take their surfing to the next level there's they're all sort of set up for that beginner on the G boards, in the white water, get you standing up, sort of yep. that style of, of surf um, training, but then it kind of backs away. So you're just expected to, to do it yourself. So um, so the ho- I'd love to see this go, like, you know, to be able to do fitness and yoga and surf-specific weight training, like all of these other things that make you surfing so much better um as part of the club you know and how we offer how we offer this sort of um i guess to members like have that network um it's just about changing the the culture i guess of traditional board riders and what that looks like
0: so i'm going to come to that in a minute because i really want to explore that side but before we do how do the 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 women girls feel when they come to the when they reach out to you the first time, I mean, how are they connecting? Is are you running uh, come and try days or meetups or through the network or bring uh, a
1: friend? Well, COVID has really challenged, uh, really challenged me <laughs> because at the moment, like I've got some great girls that are on the committee with me. Our um, secretary and our um, our equipment's manager are both you know, keen surfers and um, really dedicated to the club and, you know, just brainstorming with those girls and just trying to come up with the ideas. But, yeah, we've had, you know, social dinner nights planned. We've had information nights, come to the beach, bring a board. We'll talk about what the club's about, that sort of thing. All of that kind of got put on hold. So we basically just ran the events um, and obviously with those events because, yeah, 56 members with, about 10 of those being just social members so non-surfing members and they've joined you know to just support the cause and they, they surf but they're just sort of a non-surfing member they get the t-shirt and come to yeah. the event and stuff like that so there is that angle as well um, so so we've got the option for the surfer we've got the option for the social and then just trying to do things outside of that competitive event is where, I've got all these ideas, but COVID has just put like stuck stuck it to us a bit and um, made it a real challenge. But, yeah, I think um, moving forward, like once again, like we were going to have that information session, that's the sort of stuff that I think bringing the community together and offering something else and, you know, sometimes you lock in a surf session and, like you said, the surf's terrible, um, but sometimes you just got to get out there. you got to get out there in any condition but if you've got someone with you or you've got a couple of girls with you and you know you're going out together then you're more likely to go out rather than yeah. just put get out of the car have a look and go nah I'm, go- I'm going so um, So that
0: social side because surfing from an outsider looking in looks like a very individualized sport but you, you, you've used social continually through the discussion how important is that in bringing bringing the girls together
1: I think it's really important because I think if you're a surfer you're actually um, most most other surfers that you meet you've all got similar kind of um, I guess the way you live your life or um, you know the same sort of benefits that you get in the water um, someone might get from running a 10K run in the morning, those endorphins and things like that. If you're a surfer, you get that from the water, you get that sense of calm, that mental health kind of check to go, you know, like I know if I haven't been for a surf for more than three days, I get a bit kind of edgy and sometimes I just have to go for a swim and um, we're really lucky because we've got the river here. So there's a lot of girls that do surfing as well. Yep. So you see girls up surfing together. Um, and I think even though it is an individual sport, as soon as you make it a group and a, you know, a group sport, like we've had days where, you know, a husband's paddled over and we've got eight girls in the water and we're all chatting and laughing and cheering each other on on the waves and he's just like, oh, my gosh, you girls, like I'm out of here and paddling away yeah. because it's just a different, yeah. you know, mate, you know, there's probably some girls that that doesn't suit either, which is totally fine, but I think, there's a large number of women that love that and young girls that would love to, you know, know some more faces in the water and um, you get a really great wave. Sometimes you look around and you're like, did anyone see that? And then yeah. if you have like a group of girls, they're like, oh, my anyone gosh, I
0: got, awesome. got a GoPro? <laughs> yeah,
1: like it's, you know, so it's, I think surfing is a really community thing but it doesn't, it, it's not betrayed like that because it is so, you know individual in your own head how do you surf how good are you um all those intimidations of you know did I get the best way did I fall off when I took off and that's a lot of the intimidation is you know if you don't have that confidence at the spot you're surfing and you fall off and then people in the water get frustrated because it's like a waste of a wave and then you get intimidated and you know whereas if you've got your girlfriend there you can be like oh you know I mucked that one up like, oh, yeah. no. all right, just go in the next one, you know, just that reassurance from someone else in the water next to you. And, like, I surf with my husband too, so it's definitely not just a women-women thing. It's just about yeah, yeah. knowing people in the water. But I think this whole what we're doing with the club is just creating that that really social, fun, supportive, inclusive um sort of angle to, to just engage and get people surfing together.
0: So how important is it the um, that it's it's women helping women, supporting women? Because it could just as easily have men being the marshals or men being the facilitators or
1: I mean, yep. possibly
0: a lot easier because there might be more availability of them. But how important is it to, to be women supporting women?
1: Um. I think it's really important. We've definitely had, you know, some great support and we still do from the men in the club um, that, you know, this was their vision too, but I think it is delivered much better by a woman than a man if that, you know, and I think that I was probably, I probably had the confidence and the connections through work to be that person to actually drive it again um, because, I do still need the guys to help me out with location selection for our events. I still need them to help set the generator up and get the petrol going and, like, there is those things. But as we learn and Mm. as the community comes bigger, I imagine that all of those tasks, we should be able to just run a comp by ourselves. Because Um, they're not
0: gendered things. They're just skill sets, aren't they?
1: Skill sets, and that's just about us learning and I think what happens generally in the other comps, so so our um, senior comp and our grom comp, a lot of the time it is the dads that you know set the marquees up and um, carry the barbecue around and do all this stuff, and you sort of don't um, you sort of don't um, do it unless you're asked. Um, but I think there's something really powerful about a group of women carrying marquees down to the beach and chairs and trestle tables and. Um, setting ourselves up and then, you know, and I think my other, the other part, like I've started really, you know, trying to communicate by email. So, you know, because not everyone's on social media. So no. trying to have all of the members' emails together, try and communicate through that, try and give them as much um, knowledge about the, the comp or the expectations of the following day, like what the conditions are going to be like and, um, because I think that's one thing like I, when I first started surfing, I actually signed up for the Open Women as well as doing the, the mums group just to kind of try and see and push myself. And what, what generally happens with a comp is you get told, okay, the comp's at this, on this day. And then in the morning you, at six or seven, you get a, a location yep. area. So for me, someone with three young children, And then not knowing what time I was actually going to surf, I was like, oh, do I need to get the kids looked after from seven in the morning or am I right to take the kids with me and I'll just surf for 20 minutes and then I'm out? So trying to juggle home life um, to actually make it to an event and be there and be able to to surf was actually really hard in my own sort of logistics of doing that. So. With the women's comp, what I'm trying to actually do as well is have a bit more of a schedule sort of locked in to say, okay, in the morning we're going to start with the Freestyle A Division, which is in the first heat is going to be these four people or these five people. So those people the night before know they have to be there at that time. Um, And that's probably something that I kind of just as a, as a member, kind of, was like, I feel like I just want to know more information. But sometimes with surfing, it's a really hard thing to be able to give people, you know, a clear understanding of what what's going to be happening with the surf or what's um, what time you're going to be required. So, yeah. But
0: you still, as much as possible, tailoring the experience to the to the to the participant, not the participant having to mold themselves around around the sport, which is. Very traditional. Now, now I'm not going. To, this next question, I'm not talking specifically about Thirteenth Beach board riders because I don't know the club. But research says that sport is needs to be, uh, and when I say researchers, the researchers that have come onto the doing sport differently live streams um, and has just been absolutely clear that the way forward for sports participation is the way that you're. Presenting sport very flexible, very tailored to the people that are participating. Understanding the barriers, taking them away um, one by one, really incorporating social, social, um, social participation, social competition, leading into and out of um, uh, more, more, more competitive options. So that's that's what the research says that um, that sports must look like into the future if it's going to survive. How are you finding taking that that culture, that methodology, that those those into a a traditional, quite competitive um, club like like uh, the Thirteenth Beach Board Riders?
1: Um, I have to say it's been challenging, and I've had moments of you know questioning: is it the right platform to to do it in? So is is a traditional board riders club the right? You know, angle or the right banner to run these sorts of programs under, um, but I don't. I I think they they are, um, but I just don't know what else you would do. So, um, you know, we've got amazing facilities down here at surf clubs, and um, but there's no surf programs run through surf clubs. <coughs> so the fact you've got these, you know, life saving and. You know the one in Ocean Grove, there's gyms and there's facilities and you can go have showers and all of that, but yet there's not a real connection between surf clubs and um surf life saving clubs. Yeah. Which that's the other avenue that could <coughs> possibly um open up the doors, I guess, to allow a bit more of this. But um board riders clubs yes uh, you know they are that real competitive side and they are you know there's kids in in ours that do want to be the next colleagues later so you have to have a program that facilitates those kids because otherwise they're going to move on to a different club that has that is offering that mm-hmm. um, but i think that the way that this is successful is running a separate kind of banner under the board writers. I don't know if um, if other board rider clubs would would do it um, because, you know, board rider clubs are really quite competitive with each other. They are, yeah. you know, that, that there's lots of history as well, lots of history and lots of stories and, you know, the board rider clubs were the ones that caused lots of trouble in communities whereas the <laughs> surf clubs didn't do that and things. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I don't
0: know. I, I, I mean, Let me try and, and and answer your question from, yeah. uh, and I'll and I'll convert it um, away from surfing, just to 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 not, to definitely not be specific to to your club, but unquestionably, if we if we look at, gen, at probably ten years forward, the traditional clubs that just offer the traditional com- competition, if they don't offer the social introductory courses or, or options and yeah. create that pathway from of people of all ages not being able to join being able to join the sport, learn the sport, grow their confidence, participate socially, potentially participate competitive socially. So which yeah. is what you set up. And then yeah. if they choose to go into the the competition side that's that's actually the perfect pathway.
1: Yeah.
0: What what happens in most clubs is is that that competition side is actually diminishing now. Surfing might actually be a little bit the opposite, going into the Olympic Games, having that um, that impetus coming out of that. But by and large, the number of people participating competitive over time is is reducing in in clubs. And so what we're seeing, the, probably the best example of tackling the establishment, like pretty much like what you're doing, is barefoot bowls. You know, barefoot bowls. The bowls clubs hated it, right? Hated it when it came in. What do you mean you're not going to wear shoes? What do you mean you're not going to wear white pants? What do you mean you're going to play music? That's ridiculous. You, yes, you can drink, but don't do it on the green sort of stuff. And now a decade on, it's... And these were the same clubs that we're using, and these are stats from Bowls Australia. They were losing members year on year for thirty years. Barefoot Bowls comes in, and then the, it's like a hockey stick. The participation just goes skyrocketing because they made yeah. it easy for people to come in, yeah. get confidence, learn the sport, learn the etiquette, learn the language. I mean, um, and and then then come into the you know barefoot bowls, jack attack, which is their social competitions, and then mm. their pen. And then what we're finding is that people were coming back out. They're going up, playing ultra competitive, and then coming back down the chain, social mm. competition, because they don't want to do competition anymore. So, so yeah. without talking specifically about your club, I, I think unquestionably that's the right angle. Two researchers, Dr Rochelle Imey that came on uh, and Dr Erica Randall, both stated that they see it going to be very difficult for clubs that don't offer what you're looking to bring to the club to survive over the next 10 years because yeah. consumers change that much. So, uh, you know, is it right for your club? Well, that's a different conversation. But generally, uh, unquestionably it's right. And it, and it is that that bit of cultural generational change which is, really really important
1: yeah and I think clubs do it really well for that Grom division so those you know the kids um, kid. yeah. yeah they have expression sessions and you know they do beach activities and they you know we have Christmas, a Christmas party like fun stuff for the for that kids side of things and the um, but again once you get to that 14 sort of 13 14 year olds then you've got to sort of choose, okay, do you end up going into the open comp, which is with all the seniors and you're surfing bigger bigger surf and all that. So it really then that's when sometimes the kids fall off because they, they don't want to surf in that big um, competitive side of things or they're pushing themselves that much. So that age group is where we go, well, now I'm quite happy to have if there's people that aren't confident to go into that senior comp we'll take them into, you know, the women's comp because we're actually surfing at a different location that's not as intimidating on the same day. Um, So that's something and we've actually seen some more take-up for our under-16 girls, um, which has been a real lack um, in our our club too. So I think definitely and the barefoot bowls thing, like because I think that's my only experience with bowls is going and doing barefoot bowls Um, and... Yeah, I, th- I think surf clubs will always have that competitive side of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. of those people that want to compete and they all want that. But, yeah, if they really do want to be part of that full community and, and show that there is that equality and inclusiveness and everything, then there does actually need to be this this other side of it. Um, yeah, and
0: it's not about taking away the competition. It's absolutely no, – that's, that's, no. that's vital. We want – I mean, the yeah. ultimate honour uh, now, I guess, in surfing is, well, probably not the ultimate, but in most sports, the ultimate honour is from, a, you know, a, 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 an under eight kid coming through the grades and winning a gold medal. You, know, we yeah. know, so you have that alternative or winning the world, you know, winning bells or winning winning the, the world world championship. The other thing that you you, you do point out that just then was sports have, this is across the board in sport, they have a lot of trouble introducing people if outside of the age groups of what the traditional, so that the Groms, which is um, the introductory surfing for kids, I think it's six to 12, I think. Yeah. And that's how typical AFL is, Ozkick and Netball 5s and uh, Netset Go and those introductory programs. But what if I'm a 14 to 65-year-old and go, oh, you know what, I want to try surfing or I want to try netball or I want to try archery. You know, yeah. It's very challenging to come in and and what you're doing is creating that avenue of anyone of any age to be able to come in, grow their confidence and and participate the way they want and I think that's just extraordinary
1: yeah we um we did push push the the um the boundaries as well because we actually introduced a mid length division so talking surfboards and board riders clubs are generally your short boards so you know performance short boards and then you've got your longboard clubs which is sort of your 9 foot plus boards yep. so where traditional board riders you know shortboard board, um, but there's so many so many girls out there that are surfing these mid length boards so you sort of you know 7 and 8 foot boards and all different shapes and sizes and single fins and fishes and um, twin fins and all sorts. So, we actually included a division called the mid length division into the women's comp as well. And that's actually the one that has got the most people in it. So, which, what I and- traditionally, there isn't, a, you know, clubs don't offer a mid length division. You're either a long border or you're a short border. So, yeah. That was another angle that kind of, and and it's it's been really successful because that is those people. It's a different, it's a different technique, it's a different style of surfing. It suits Ocean Grove because Ocean Grove Main Beach is generally a gentler wave, um, and it, a lot of people that start later in life need a bit more of a bigger board just to to have fun and get waves. So, um, but yeah, then a long board is a completely different, you know. Longboard. uh, Some of the girls that surf longboards and do it well are amazing. Just watching them glide and walk up and down their boards and stuff is an amazing thing to watch. So, um, yeah. And, And just you've said before about having that competitive side. So the Open Women's Division, like we actually, I go and watch it. Like it's amazing. These girls that surf it and, you know, perform in our club, are great and it's great and it's inspirational to watch them surfing um but by having that sort of the, our women's comp and we can go you know you should you, you you should be surfing in the open women because you have the skills you're an amazing surfer but they might be lacking the confidence so they come in surf with us in the intermediate kind of space and then we're going you need to go up there so you know, that's and then there's that supportive group of more women in the club coming and watching. It's not just a 20-minute heat with all the blokes and the girls out there and then you come in and off you go. Um, so that was sort of another thing that I've seen in the last um, 12 months as well is just that support for those girls that are surfing the bigger and more competitive wave um, as well. So.
0: Well, and just to to finalise, and speaking of pushing the bounds, we've now gone over forty-one minutes for this conversation, and we try and keep it under thirty. So that's um because everything that you've talked about is is really pushing the bounds. And I, if we bring it back, just finally to yeah. the competitive club, you said at the start of the interview that when that there was might be five or six girls um, surfing in those in those really competitive heats. Have we? See, are you seeing an increase in those numbers now, even over that short period of time? So what what is um, what what numbers was it the last time they yeah.
1: did it? So last season we were lucky to have three girls in each heat or one. So one comp, you'd have three three girls surfing in that. Now I think we've got about 10 open women signed up. So there's enough in there to do two heats and a final, which means you get to surf more than once. Um Even though it's still a small number of 10, you know, 10 women doesn't sound much when. 300%
0: increase.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's just. um, And I think, but there's some women that, like I said, they could be surfing in that division, but they're choosing to come to the women's comp because they want that community and they want that. um, They still want to be part of the club and have that fun and a competitive um, surf but they want the women's social side of things too. So there is a very different, and I think that's something that as we move forward with how we deliver our comps and deliver the programs, um, you know, it will be trying to bring that together, but also we don't want to completely segregate the women from the club either. So we, no. we still want to have that pinnacle open women's division yeah. that really showcases those girls that are, that are ripping surfers um, and some of them, are, you know, want to be competing sta- at state level and things like that too. So we have to, so by trying to nurture and have more women in that, it gives those competitive surfers the grounds to have people to compete against, um, you know, the competition to actually run, run forward. So I think it's always going to be that balance of supporting it but also um, trying to make sure that within that, that event is still that sort of women's representation, I guess. Um, and to foster those juniors coming through, give them some mentors and things to to look at, and other women in the water for them, and
0: create that create that pathway. And and, and that's why we bring it back to that discussion. Why why would clubs, competitive's really competitive beast clubs, even entertain the social introductory um, levels of sport? because it makes them better competitors. It actually makes them better clubs. And and I think you're, you're trailblazing into a sport that um, is it's just coming onto everyone's attention at the moment and the Olympics coming up, touch wood. And, Shasta, and, uh, as I said, we're, we're just going to go under 45 minutes. You were worried you didn't have enough to talk for 30. Um, we always talk for 30, so now you've got the record for the longest uh, uh, oh. podcast live stream interview. So... Thank you so much for sharing the story of your journey with with um, building the women's group of the Thirteenth Beach Board Riders. It's been amazing. We could chat for hours, but we better stop here. <laughs>
1: thanks so much, and thanks for letting me share
0: the story. Well, I told you it was a long interview, but I hope you think it was really worthwhile. The way Shasta O'Loughlin has grown, the number of female surfers has been amazing when you look at how she's done it simply by looking at the barriers that have stopped many women from surfing and introducing processes, events and social networks that have overcome each of these barriers. Shasta realised the gap between women wanting to surf and the number of women that were actually confident enough to actually surf in, in club competition was simply huge. So she created surfing options that introduced women to surfing, really focused on growing their confidence and created opportunities for women to surf socially. Then as their confidence grew, social surfing competitions built around fun and participation. Now a number of those women have gone on and competed in the club's regular surfing competitions. As we hear so often, these sorts of programs are developed by sometimes just one person willing to roll up their sleeves and drive the project. In this instance, it was Shasta. As so often happens when she she approached the club, they had already had a point in their business plan that they wanted to attract more women. So the timing was perfect. So they wanted to attract more. They weren't quite sure how to do it. And they also needed someone to drive it. So, those two things matched beautifully. What started out as six to eight women has now grown, grown to over 56 women participating in their own way. Some are simply social members, not even surfing, just wanting to take part in an active lifestyle, while others are on different parts of their journey. One of the key steps Shasta took was to apply for a Vic Health grant that allowed her to fund some of the equipment and, importantly, the coaching that allowed her to find those find those women into surfing or attract women into surfing who may have been too intimidated to surf in open women's competitions or even too intimidated to surf in the ocean full stop. This actually required the club to change the way they thought about and their willingness to embrace novices and their willingness to nurture novices over time to to overcome all the barriers that novice surfers of all genders, all ages, of all types, always fear. They don't know how to read the conditions, don't know what spots to surf at or what spots are safe at different times, don't know other surfers, don't know the etiquette, just can be seen when you're just trying to work your way into the water, quite an intimidating or challenging environment. So to counter that, her group also ran judging courses So now they have female judges at their social events, as well as women's marshals, women running the beach and the competition, making those events a lot for women, a lot less intimidating. Throughout the interview, Shasta spoke regularly about building the confidence of women through the development of their knowledge and skills and the importance of letting people progress at their own pace. One really powerful part of this was the social media messenger group that provided real-time communication, which also allowed informal groups to form and surf at times and locations that suited everybody. This flexibility and real-time responsiveness is a great part of the surfing culture. There were so many things I loved about the interview with Shasta and how she is challenging the traditional culture and thinking of of her club, but in a very positive manner, And one thing I want to really stress is that every time a club builds opportunities for new audiences and participants, benefits, as happened with this club, always flow through to the competitive side of the club. So as we say every episode, it's not about taking away from the competitive options of your club, but rather complementing them and making them stronger. In this case, the number of women who are now competing in the Open women's competitions has grown significantly stronger. Well, that's it for me today, and it's a long session, and I apologise for so long, but hopefully the discussion with Shasta encourages clubs to consider participation options which cater for different levels of skill, ability, fitness, audiences. Before I go, as I say every session, if you're a sports club volunteer or know a volunteer that needs help, then please take a look at our website, sportscommunity.com.au, which com- contains heaps more information about running community sports clubs, attracting new audiences. And like Vic Health, I really would like to acknowledge our community sports members because it's only with your help and support that, that we're able to produce this sort of contact content that's all designed to make it easier to run our sports clubs so if you're interested in becoming a sports community member again please go to our website sportscommunity.com.au check out all the the resources and follow the membership tabs we'd love to have you part of the sports community family so until next week i'm steve palace thank you so much for listening and being part of our sports community.